0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's tour catch-up...
1: Matteo Berrettini battles to the title in Stuttgart.
0: Daniel Medvedev gets stunned by a Dutch wildcard.
1: And Glasgow is announced as host for this year's Billie Jean King Cup Finals.
0: Kim, today is the 12th of June and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. The grass court season is here. Clay is firmly in the rear window and we've got our first four champions of the grass court season 2022. So we've got a lot to talk about as usual. We're going to be looking ahead as well. I've got a path for the courts for you so it's all very exciting and perhaps the most exciting thing of all, at least to us anyway, is that We have moved, we have moved offices or or metaphorical offices at the very least from passing shot HQ to tennis weekly HQ.
1: Yeah, just to clarify, we don't have an office space.
0: (laughs) We record from our virtual office,
1: (laughs) it's in the cloud. Yeah, um, we are tennis weekly now. This is our first catch up as tennis weekly, Uh, but nothing else has changed except for our name. We're still very much Joel and Kim. Um, So we hope that you all enjoy and are on board with the the rebranding it's it's quite exciting the the cat's out the bag now um so yeah here we go tennis weekly um we did release an episode in the week uh chatting to john lloyd about his his latest book that's just come out dear john an autobiography all about his life and career so if you haven't managed to listen to that one yet um that's like a it was a fantastic chat with john and uh yeah definitely check that one out in the meantime
0: Yes. And if you've got any questions about the move, us going to Tennis Weekly, feel free to reach out to us and we're happy to to answer them. We've also put a short announcement pod as well, just going into a bit more detail as to why we've done the rebranding, why we felt it was the right time, but also talking about the transition and and kind of what it means. For listeners, it means absolutely nothing. Joel and Kim are staying the same. Our formats, our tour catch-ups, our round-by-rounds, our meets and our book club series, they are all staying the same. It very much is about just changing the name from Passing Shot to Tennis Weekly. So um, yeah, this is our first ever Tennis Weekly tour catch-up, Kim, and we've got some really exciting champions to talk about and events to talk about because we've had a few surprises, we've had a few uh, famous names as well, get to the get to the finals, but uh, let's start in Stuttgart because we had a final take place today between Matteo Berrettini and Andy Murray. Woo!
1: <laughs> Cue lots of applause and cheering. I know, I know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's amazing given... I mean, well, I watched it. But Surbiton uh, beat Nakashima, but he then went on and lost to to Dennis Cudler, who I saw lost in Qualies at, at Queens today. And uh, yeah, Murray was in in the final of a 250 event. So um, yeah, really, uh, you know, it's it's amazing, obviously, how how your fortunes I feel can change in the you know the tennis world over the space of a week. But um, you know, he wasn't able to get the job completely done. Berrettini won in three sets, six four five, seven, six, three. And yes, Murray will be pleased about getting to a final because he will return to the top 50 for the first time since 2018. But he will obviously be slightly concerned as well, given how that third set played out with the trainer coming on twice. And I feel like the word of death or the word no Andy Murray fan wants to hear, or or, or phrase anyway, hip trouble.
1: Yeah, it was... um... (sighs) It, the, the, the the same old issue I guess re-emerging you know obviously he plays with a metal hip and uh, in that third set it was not the way you know that you wanted the the match to kind of end him sort of visibly having trouble uh, but it was, it was the other side so the metal hip's on the right this was the left hip so obviously just Hips, hip issues going on for Andy, and obviously the the doubt and the concern is that you know will he be able to play Queens this this coming week? Will he be Will he be okay for Wimbledon? You know, the, the grass courts really are his his bread and butter. You know, playing at home on you know his his favorite surface, and this this is sort of the the what he wants to peak for in the season. And I mean, he's had a brilliant week beating you know Stefanos Tsitsipas beating Nick Kyrgios you know not dropping a set on the way to the final and doing really really well against Berrettini in the final Um, so we just hope that it's nothing too serious I mean we don't really know as of yet but um, we just hope that it's not gonna like curtail his grass court season and then affect the rest of it but that will you know, we'll have to wait and see on that one.
0: Yeah, because I mean, this caught me a little bit by surprise, if I'm being quite honest, given what happened in, in Surbiton the week before. You know, he came up against Sissipas, the top seed in the quarterfinals. And I thought, you know, that was going to be as good as it got. But then I sort of remembered Sissipas on a grass court is not is as formidable as him on other court surfaces, like on the clay. And again, Murray, as you said, he is just so at home on the grass court. It really kind of works for his game. He knows what he do, he's doing. He's obviously grown up on it. And, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a multiple Wimbledon champion. And uh, this week, it all really did come together for him. You know, there was no wild card needed to get into the draw. You know, his ranking was high enough for him to get direct entry. And, you know, he pulled us some very, very good victories. Um has Kiros as well in that semi-final. Kyrgios has been playing well, I think. You know, he was playing well, I think, throughout the week. And he gave, uh, you know, a good competitive first set against uh, Murray in the semi before a classic and almost sort of expected capitulation in in the second set but um yeah for Murray to get to the final was was very very impressive you know he got to the final obviously in sydney at the start of the season but since then there's been a bit of a you know a struggle and it, I think we've we've gone through this Andy Murray pattern haven't we of, of one win one loss move on to the next tournament so for him to put a string of wins together get to the final will be very very pleasing for for british fans yes there is some worry and some doubt around you know his his body and again i think it's it's sad in the sense it's a reminder of his his fragility now yes it's amazing he's playing with a metal hip but there is still obviously any sort of concern with a trainer coming out you do worry you know he is 35 years old he's not a spring chicken anymore so that's a slight concern but um getting to the final you know absolutely fantastic and to come up Kim, against Matteo Berrettini another player who has been injured and not not played since the Indian Wells has had surgery of his own, for him also to get to the final, he he probably was maybe a little bit surprised as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen him in about three months, so welcome back onto the tour. And <laughs> what a way to, to come back onto the tour, you know, straight to to a title. And it's like he never left. It's like he just picked up his form from the grass, you know, last season. Like, Queen's champion, Wimbledon finalist. You know, I think he's won... Um, He's won events on the grass in Europe before as well, I think in twenty nineteen. Um, so obviously this is, you know, a surface he's very much at home on. Really, um, you know, his serve is just uh cracking on this surface and had a bit of a tough semi with Oscar Otter. Um and I was thinking Murray, I think, would have beaten anyone else in that bottom half of the draw. Uh, it's just Berrettini, I think, was was the real challenge. If it had been, you know, I think I would have definitely gone for Andy to win win those, given his form. But um, yeah, Berrettini, very, very difficult um, opponent. And, you know, perhaps if Andy hadn't have had the hip issues, I would have loved to have seen how the third set maybe would have panned out. But Berrettini, you know, very deserved winner. And I'm sure his, um, well, I'm sure the sponsors were delighted because I think he wears Hugo Boss uh, clothing, doesn't he? And this was the Boss Open. So (laughs) I bet they were just like in dreamland with him winning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. And uh, it's interesting, I think, with with grass, I think we all know, I think, with Berrettini, his, his weaknesses, particularly, I think, on the backhand side, but certainly on the grass courts, when you have a big booming serve and a big forehand, it really, I think, can mask any sort of weakness you have in other parts of your game. And I think we saw that this week and it was just, yeah, for me, almost surprising how effortless it was for him to pick up a racket get back out on court first tournament back and hey you go and win a, win a title he I think only was broken twice en route to the the final so it just shows you how well he's been serving uh throughout the week and even though Kim he's just been back we can't you know he got to the Wimbledon final last year he's going to be there or thereabouts isn't he again assuming he can also keep injury free going forward
1: yeah, for sure. I think, you know, if he keeps this this um, consistency on this surface up, you know, he's shown that he's kind of picked up where he left off. And uh, yeah, certainly I, I mean, you've got to put him in the top five likely yep. winners for Wimbledon, um, especially as, like you said, people like Sitspass, not so... you know, I don't want to say competent on the grass court, but...
0: No Medvedev either.
1: Yeah, and obviously the Russian player's not there, so there's no Medvedev, no Rublev. So yeah, for sure, Berrettini coming into Wimbledon, defending those final points, although, you know, he's going to lose them anyway. But just based on last year and his performance, yeah, he's definitely got to be up there. And and perhaps, you know, having not played for the last three months, he's a lot fresher than a lot of other people. So, um, I mean, obviously Nick Kyrgios as well, getting to the semis here. We know he... Has form on a grass court in the past, He's had some fun wins at Wimbledon. Um, but yeah, bit bit of a um disappointing incident during his match um with Andy. You know, he um obviously he he lost a game due, due to a penalty, you know, sort of his behaviour on the court, but he did kind of come out on social media afterwards to say that he was dealing with racial slurs from the crowd um and had some really, really horrible comments. Um, so i i would hope that that is being investigated um obviously if this is what happened that is completely unacceptable um and yeah it's just obviously not something that we want to see in tennis or in any sport or in, or in life anywhere so um you know he was kind of saying that w- was the reason for his retaliation and his behavior in, in this aspect um which well we know his behavior is like that a lot of the time but you know it's it's obviously awful that um, this you know someone or people in the crowd were potentially saying these things.
0: Yeah it's uh, you know it's obviously a a big shame because I think you know watching it on TV I don't think we were really understanding what was going on so I think Kyrgios coming out and and say you know saying this and yes I think Stuttgart have gone and have announced that there's an an inquiry and investigation into it. There will inevitably be people out there I think who will say to Nick Kyrgios it's it's never your fault and again you know in this match he put a really you know really tough battle up against Murray in that in that first set went to a tie break but the longer you, it went on you just felt the more and more likely Kyrgios was going to implode I feel mm. like we've seen it so often in his career and I, I do think Andy Murray is one of those players who knows he knows how to get under your skin I think particularly with some of his you know shots in his locker I, I'm thinking about his particularly his single-handed backhand slice which keeps so low we know Nick Kyrgios the play doesn't really like to kind of get down low and and bend his knees and I just felt that Murray was frustrating Kyrgios and you know looking at it on the screen it was like I thought it was that frustration that ultimately you know losing that first set led to him getting really frustrated and ultimately kind of conceding a game penalty and and you know he should be able to I think we've again spoken about this in the past around he should be able to kind of deal with these moments better these moments of adversity where yeah he's playing really well and he's got a great serve but you know, he loses the first set and, you know, that's his 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 match done for the day. But certainly this coming to light around potentially racial slurs from the crowd, I don't feel like this is an adversity that he should be having to overcome. This should just not be existing in the first place. So I hope Stuttgart do look into it and we can get to kind of the bottom of this matter because it's not a nice thing to to hear about. And, you know, particularly for tennis, such a global game, you know, we want to make it feel as inclusive as as possible. And, um, you know, it's just not nice hearing these sorts of comments come out. So, um, yeah, i will be interested to see how that looks and, and kind of develops. But, yeah, for Nick Kyrgios, good tournament getting to the semi-finals, but a um, bit disappointing in the way it ended.
1: And let's move across uh, to the Netherlands now from Germany, Joel, because we had uh, the Libema Open take place uh, for the men and the women. Um, I'm saying Libema Open because that's a lot easier to say than her tog and bosch um dutch <laughs> listeners please let us know uh, the s and the hyphen before the apostrophe mm. always really confuses me
0: i feel like they've deliberately made the <laughs> tournament name a lot easier to say so we don't have to refer to it by its location
1: Exactly. Yeah. Let's have de- like really pronounceable pronounceable. I can't, I can't even say the pronounceable. word pronounceable. <laughs> I was gonna say let's have tournament sponsors that are easy to pronounce. There we go. <laughs> right. Where was I? Yeah. Dutch listeners though will be absolutely delighted with the result because Dutch wildcard ranked 205 in the world. Tim van Rijthoven has uh had a, the most remarkable week uh, of his career, storming to victory uh, in the in the final today against soon-to-be world number one, as of tomorrow, uh, Daniel Medvedev. Straight set, 6-4, six, six, one just over an hour. Um, he's beaten Felix Ojeeli Asim this week. He's beaten uh, Taylor Fritz as well. Um, where where has this come from, Joel? You know, Dutch tennis, probably would have thought, you know, Bottic van der short, but not really an awful lot beyond that and this guy's just come from nowhere and and won a title i know Brilliant. it's
0: unbelievable <laughs> it's like it's like the dutch peter colt wimbledon story uh, <laughs> in real life um you know he well in all honesty you know he is the first dutchman to win this event since Sheng Shalkin back in 2003 so it's something that doesn't happen very often and you don't often hear of wild cards coming into a tournament and then going all the way through to win the title the fact that he did it against the top three seeds as well he did not have a, he absolutely did not have an easy route to the you know to the final and you know he would have come in coming into that match i think with medvedev you know with lots of confidence particularly given he beat ogiat Ali in a last set tie break in the semi-final but yeah you, know, you think about the lack of experience this guy has compared to someone like daniel medvedev who's been in a us open final he's won a us open and this guy He's not even won a match on the ATP tour. I think he's won one Davis Cup match. Um I think this is his second main draw ATP event. I mean it's just it's just amazing. It is genuinely a real fairy tale story and uh you know the fact that he wasn't I think overcome with any sort of nerves and just played his tennis particularly in front of his home crowd as well a little another extra pressure to to deal with was you know, really, really impressive and Medvedev, although he would have been happy to to get to the final, again, he just did not have an answer to, you know, what was on the other side of the net and, um, it, you know, I'm not saying this is a theme with, with Daniel Medvedev's losses at the moment, but, you know, he had that loss against Marin Cilic, who, again, played some really inspired tennis and didn't really know what to do and I, you know, was looking at the highlights of this this final and, again, Tim van Reithhoven, I thought, played very, very inspired tennis. And again, Medvedev didn't really have an answer.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the the inexperience of, of Tim Ran Tim Van Rythaven. You know, that previous time uh in an ATP tour level event was back in 2016. So, you know, not even (laughs) recently. um, He hasn't even won a challenger event. He's, um, you know, he's incredibly inexperienced, really. Um, And it's just all the more remarkable, really. Um, But because of this win, he he moves actually up almost 100 places in the rankings. He's going to be 106 in the world. You know, he's never played a Grand Slam before now, but I'm hoping that he'll be able to...
0: Surely to get into Wimbledon. 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 Surely, surely get a wild card. Surely give
1: him a wild card. <laughs> I would. Let's hope so. Main
0: draw wild card or Quali's wild card?
1: I would give him main draw, to be honest. Yeah. Um I mean, maybe they've already earmarked their their wild cards, but I mean actually though, he may get in automatically, because if you take out Russian players and Bella Russian players, thinking he's 106 in the draw uh, in the in the rankings. Well, I don't know. He may he may get in uh, anyway, but we'll have to wait and see. Um I would hope that tournaments are going to be giving him some more opportunities sometime soon. But yeah, he's the lowest ranked um you know winner of an ATP title this year. Um I think last year we had um one of the Serendolos winning, and they were sort of, I think at the time it was Juan Manuel Serendolo winning, and he was 300-odd in the world. So, you know, it has been known, but it doesn't happen very frequently. It's kind of once in a blue moon, and and it is a fairy tale story. It's very Peter Colt-esque. Um, and I can I just say, I saw him in Serbton last week, Joel, yeah, in, in qualifying, and he lost <laughs> to that Finnish guy that ended up getting to the semis, I think. So there was nothing that I could see in Serbiton no. that would have told me a week later he would be beating Daniel Mephedev and winning his <laughs> well, first time. Well, a lot
0: of people... I mean, Andy Murray lost in Serbiton and did really, really well this week on the tour. And Tim Van Righthoven also, uh, very similar story. But uh, yeah, he just played very, very well from what I've seen of his game. He has, you know, big serve, big forehand. And, you know, it was really, really working well for him throughout the whole week. And I think he just you know, grew in confidence, I think, throughout, given, you know, the sorts of players he was coming up against. Because although I think Medvedev, Medvedev didn't face a seeded player uh, through to the final, the fact that Van Reithoven had to face Taylor Fritz, the third seed, and then Oja Aliassim, the second seed in the semi-final. I mean, that match against Oja Aliassim, which he won on a, on a third set tiebreak, was really impressive, given he lost that second set 6-1. And I thought, I thought that was the end of the, I thought that was the end of the comeback story. I thought, you know, Oje Aliassim will be able to kind of get this done now. But, you know, he just bounced back and he had lots of breakpoint opportunities in that third set. And although he didn't, wasn't able to take them, he didn't let that get him down. And when it came to that match tie break at the end of, uh, you know, the end of that third set, he was ready to seize his moment. So, um, yeah, really, really impressive does it warrant a wimbledon main draw wildcard if he doesn't get in on automatic entry i would definitely think so i mean title winner you've beaten the world number 1 from tomorrow i think that absolutely warrants being in the main draw everyone is going to be talking about him for the next few weeks so certainly i would be yeah making making the most of that and uh yeah great week great week for great week for him
1: Yeah, I think for me, the most impressive thing was just the final itself. You know, he um, just didn't show any sort of nerves. And yeah, the the second set, he went five love up and served it out to love. I mean, it's just, you know... I suppose he had nothing to lose. He just thought, "I'm going to go
0: for it." But maybe yeah. he watched. Maybe he watched Peter Colt as part of his training uh, in, in the build-up. <laughs> he Get some more inspiration. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but but Kim, but Kim, there is you know there was a silver lining for Daniel Medvedev because he did beat two French players on the route to the final. He beat Gilles Simon and he beat Manorino as well in the semis. Because I didn't realize this, but there is this thing called the Daniel Medvedev, the French curse because his record against Frenchmen is terrible. He's lost more matches against French players than one. Everyone says whenever he comes up against a French player that Daniel Medvedev is inevitably going to lose. But yeah, he came through against Simon and Manorino. So his record now against French players is 118, lost 22. So it's still in the negative. But for some reason, when Medvedev comes up against a player of, the French nationality, it's just a bit of a hoodoo on him.
1: It's just strange that because, you know, he speaks, I think, French fluently. He, like He's lived in France for many years. I think he still lives there now. So, I don't know, maybe he's just in complete awe of them or
0: something. <laughs> I mean, they're not uh, even that highly <laughs> ranked anymore. I mean, yes, we've got like Gail feast still knocking about. Hugo no. um, yeah, but... Gaston. Yeah, I'll there's very, not that many. Yeah.
1: There's not too many French up at the top, are there, anymore? That sort of generation's kind of gone a little bit Um, but I mean Medvedev probably won't be too gutted at this result because you know it's although he would obviously have wanted to have won the title you know he's still going to be world number one from tomorrow true Um, and you know he's not allowed to play Wimbledon so it's not like he needs to be fine-tuning his grass court game in advance of the Grand Slam which you know it seems quite I don't know, strange and ironic. And if we go on to the women's final in at, at the La Open, Open, uh, you know, we had two players there who will not be at Wimbledon. We had, you know, Katerina Alexandrov of Russia and arena Sablenko of Belarus. And, um, you know, Alexandrov came out on top in this one, 7-5, 6 love. Um, and you think fantastic, you know, week for her, you know, picking up, I think, her second career title. But I don't know, it, for me, it's kind of like, oh, but... I would have liked to have seen what she could have done at Wimbledon, but we won't. Mm. We won't know now, will yeah. we? Um, so that's for me. You know, this whole kind of ban on certain players just it does detract a little bit from what they're doing in these warm up events as well. Well, I say warm up events. Obviously, they're not just warm up events, but I hope you know <laughs> warm- what I mean. For what?
0: For the Russian players, they're w- warming up for
1: well, a holiday for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, but yeah, no, it was a really good win uh, for Alexandrov. I, Kim, I really love. I, you don't get a lot of them i just love a, a mixed of a mixed 250 event uh like they have at sir and bosch uh with the men and women both there uh absolutely great but um yeah Alexandrova winning in the final against sabalenka seven five six love Alexandrova was just going through the draw like nobody's business she beat Kalanina, 6-4, six, 6-2, six, then McNally, 6-love, six, 6-1. Six, and then perhaps for me, the most impressive before getting to the final against Kudometova, who you who know, had a very good run at the French Open, 6-3, six, 6-1. Six, and yeah, she just continued that through to the, the final against Sabalenka. I think she won the last nine games. Sabalenka, again, didn't really have an answer for it. She was just trying to hit powerfully from the, the baseline, but just felt that Alexandreva, she just you know, she's got a very high, I think, tennis IQ and sort of knew what to do when sort of faced with that level of power and that level of aggression. And I think you particularly saw that with how she handled or even demolished, to be honest, Sabalenka's serve because she was hitting return winners off off the Sabalenka first serve. She wasn't getting many free points. And I think her second serve as well for Sabalenka, she was only serving at 22%. So Alexandrova really, I think, played a really smart, tactical game and that really started I think with how she dismantled the the Sabalenka serve throughout the match
1: yeah and you know she loves playing playing the faster courts doesn't she I think Mm. you know she her first title um came on a hardcore back in 2020 uh Shenzhen I think so um it's been been a while since she's been at the top of the the, you know top top of the roster if you like but um yeah I think uh, that's what it's, it's a shame because you know if she's kind of having a great week her form's peaking you'd like to see that carry on and potentially see what she can do at a slam because she's not one of those players that has ever gone deep at a slam. I think her best result is, is the third round. Um, So, you know, she, she really needs, I think that kind of big breakthrough. She's, uh, you know, up at about 30 in the world, but I, I don't know. Do you see her making inroads sort of, could, could she be hmm. a top 10 player if she continues to play like this? You'd have to think so.
0: Yeah. I think she's a very consistent player and, as you said she does i think like those faster speedier surfaces and that makes her for me kind of a threat throughout the majority you know of the season particularly in the in the second half of the season yes it is a shame she will not be at wimbledon but i certainly think the way you know she is able to handle aggression and and power really kind of makes her well suited i think to you know rising up the rankings and deal dealing with these you know these power players on court and uh yeah I, I do think we we think of her more as like a a tour level player a very consistent tour level player and maybe she needs a breakout moment at a grand slam i do think uh, a lot of the the women in the locker room at wimbledon will be breathing a sigh of relief that alexandra won't be at wimbledon because of the level um you know she was showing in this tournament i mean just talking about sabalenka as well kim i mean you know, she was the the top seed and i think you know, i think I think, you know, we've seen Sabalenka. I feel in this position over the last few months, where she's been the, you know, the top seed, and she's not really handled it particularly well. You know, going out in the first round, or just winning one match and then going out, uh, you know, very early on in the tournament. So it was nice, I think, to see her sort of just live up to being the the top seed and getting through to the final. Because I do think she will also feel like she had a point to prove in the sense of she's not obviously going to be at, at Wimbledon either. So you know, for her to kind of come through and just and sort of, I think, just actually reach the, the level of expectation that is put upon her by her ranking and her seed. I think that's very, very, very encouraging given, I think, as I said, a few months ago, I feel like she was in this position and not really living up to you know, where her, you know, where her seeding was dictating.
1: Yeah, I think getting to the final will be obviously a, a positive, Um, mm. you're given, I think, just generally, yeah, like you said, the the lack of form this season and the sort of poor results. So perhaps, you know, as we go on to, well, for her, for the, the summer hard courts, the US Open swing, she can kind of keep this this form and, you know, take it from there. But um, yeah, fantastic for Alexandra, um, you yeah, know, her second career title. So you know, I'm sure she's she's over the moon and enjoying that, even if she won't be able to, you know, play the, the big this one. in few weeks time. This is her Wimbledon victory. <laughs> yeah. um, let's move on to home soil now, Joel, because we had the Nottingham uh, Open as well. Uh, so we've got this is a WTA event, but also there's an ATP challenger, um, which Dan Evans has won. Uh, so great for Dan Evans. I, I didn't know that he would be playing uh, the challenger I thought oh you know he doesn't need to play challenges anymore well, you, know, you weren't rankings. watching his semi-final against Jack Sock I, I did not uh oh. Joel I was otherwise occupied but you know anyway I'm glad <laughs> he's obviously come back he's won this you know tournament before he's come back you know getting some fantastic grass court practice in before Queen's so good on Dan Evans uh you know nice for him to to claim a, a title on home soil and yeah let's hope he can do well at Queen's um but for the ladies yeah we had a. Uh, well uh, an interesting final between beatrice hadad Maia of brazil and uh, alison risk of the united states now we very very much know that alison risk is a bit of a grass court specialist i i was absolutely grass court legend a legend, yeah. I was envisaging her getting to the final. I'm not going to lie. I thought <laughs> as soon as I saw her name in the draw, you know, she's, she's got to be done. But yeah, she lost though in the final to uh, Haddad Maia, 6-4, one um, Haddad Maia is only the second Brazilian female player in the Open era to win a title on grass. Uh, the other being Maria Bueno, who, you know, was a multiple Wimbledon champion, I think, uh, won the uh, title in Eastbourne in 1968. So for Brazilian tennis um, on grass courts, this is a very uh, significant day, I suppose.
0: Yeah, a very historic occasion. You don't really associate Brazilian players uh, with, with grass courts. So for her to go get to the final, beat Maria Sakkari along the way as well, the top seed very very impressive and then to come up against a grass court specialist like Allison Risk and and go on and win the trophy particularly when you had a second set blip losing uh losing that second set 6-1 was very very good i mean i watched the i watched this live and in that first set admire. she was just very she was just hitting very very powerfully from the the baseline you felt like she was climbing all over Allison Risk's serve i think she got to deuce on the first three risk service games um and i really feel like that was the that was the platform that she was laying in terms of giving herself those opportunities to to break uh risk and i never felt like she was out of the match in the sense of she i felt like she had the opportunity kind of to break risk serve whenever she wanted and you know she was very very composed at the end i think to just kind of see it out and make sure um she was able to just kind of get it get it done but um yeah, great great win for her. Another player I think players won't be wanting to facing, uh you know in the draw kind of going forward because she's definitely a player that you know you might underestimate given uh, she's from South America and you think, "Oh yeah, can yeah, you might be good on on the clay or whatever, but can you can you do it on the on the hard court or oh, sorry, on the grass courts in the UK." But um you know with this result certainly certainly she can and yeah, very very impressive from her.
1: Yeah, especially that second set, you know, Risk I think went five love up and you know sort of claimed that set very very quickly. Mm. Um, like really good set from Risk, but you know, her dad Maya was obviously able to to refocus and she was broken at the start of that third set, but broke straight back and then um, you know, was able to to break towards the end of the set and it's her first uh, WTA title. So, uh, you know, we we wish her well. She's also in the doubles final, Joel. I think she's won the first set. She's a set in a breakup as we're recording this playing with Zhang of China. So obviously in just very good form generally this week. Um, I didn't know that she had been, um, she had a doping suspension. Uh, This is her first final after coming back onto the tour following that. Um, I don't remember that being in the news, but maybe I completely forgot. I think um, I was just looking into it earlier, you know, out of interest. And uh, I think it was some, she said some contaminated substance, uh, supplements that, um, had certain certain things in obviously were uh, deemed as uh, you know against the uh, the allowed um, the allowed list, but you know we don't know she was she was banned, but she's back now. So uh, yeah, I just uh, wasn't hadn't I wasn't aware of that. I know we had the um, there have been a few similar <laughs> to that where you know it's been um, in the news, but this was obviously one that passed me by anyway.
0: And uh, you know we had obviously British interests as well. Best result from, from Brits was Harriet Dart. Um, she had a great win against Camilla Georgie in the second round. She made her first quarterfinal um, at a WTA Tour level event. She actually took a set off of Alaskan Risk in that quarterfinal, but wasn't able to kind of see it through. But yeah, nice win against Georgie. She saved multiple match points, won it in the third set tiebreak. Really, really good from her. Not so good though, Kim, from Emma Raducanu, who took a wild card announced that she was going to play nottingham came in as the second seed had golyabitch in the first round very tough opponent we know she got to the quarters at wimbledon last year and then all of a sudden after seven games she uh you know she retired and um went off court put you know wimbledon in doubt she's allayed those fears um you know post that match but yeah, all a bit, all a bit strange, but also all, all, all a bit too familiar.
1: Yeah, yet another sort of injury concern. Um, this one, you know, she didn't last particularly long. Four, three down, and then you know mm. retired. So, yeah, she's been posting on kind of Instagram that she's doing everything that she can to to be at Wimbledon, and obviously we hope that she can be there. But I feel like it's safe to just have zero expectations of of what she's uh, like able to do to.
0: given her. I think we have to
1: given her physical you know form uh, as much as anything so well I,
0: it I just don't know. seems very strange <laughs> it just seems very strange that she would announce herself for for nottingham and uh, you know she would have obviously felt i'm assuming that she was 100% her body was ready uh, you know to go back onto the tour so for all of a sudden then to you know something to happen to her body in those seven games just feels very very strange in terms of did that thing happen in that moment or did she go in knowing she wasn't going to be a hundred percent, but there were other things at play, you know, again, people talking about whether she felt the pressure to play from either sponsors or being there for the the British crowd. I don't, I don't know, but it was just all very, it was just all very, I think a little bit disheartening to see, but a bit of a, a bit of a, I feel like a bit of a strange one in terms of her experience of, you know, this is her first season as us open champion, on the grass courts and it's not the way you would have wanted to start.
1: I would hope that she's not feeling too much pressure from sponsors Mm. to the extent that she puts her own health second. But, you know, I can understand that you want to fulfill your obligations. You don't want to let people down. And, you know, I find that quite stressful in my life. I I feel like I, you know, I can't, don't want to let people down. I've got, you know, I I need to go to things that are scheduled and I I can understand if that causes a certain amount of, you know, um, conflict with, various competing factors so I I hope that the decisions that she's making are the right ones for her Um, but we'll have to see in the next few weeks if she's going to be able to play Wimbledon or not I mean I'm sure we'll know two weeks to this day you know is that it will be the eve of of the championships and let's hope let's hope she'll be in the draw (laughs) Uh, let's take a quick break now, Joel, uh, but do join us in the second half. Uh, we'll be talking about Glasgow being announced as the host for the Billie Jean King Cup finals, uh, the ATP's future plans for their Masters events and also all the upcoming draws in Queen's Halle uh, and Berlin. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to, I think, a par for the courts before we get on to the news and other bits and bobs. Uh, Joel, I believe you've got yes. uh, a par for the courts for me par and the par listeners. for the courts again. for you and the <laughs> listeners.
0: Exactly that. And I've been getting in the mood. I've been getting into grass court season vibes. And particularly with Queen's coming up, Kim, I've got a question For you and our listeners, that is to do with the hallowed turf of the Queen's Championships.
1: Oh, does it involve Feliciano Lopez? It may or may not involve (laughs) Feliciano (laughs) Lopez.
0: Um, So, my question for you and our listeners is this. There have been nine winners of the Queen's Championships since the year 2000 in the singles event. And I would like you to name me as many of those nine individuals who have lifted the trophy um, as a champion. Oh, okay. And I am going to set the par score for this one. And I always feel like I'm too nice to you and I set it at like sort of a middling 50% sort of score. But I'm going to go quite high here and I'm going to say seven out of nine.
1: Okay. I think that's doable. Yeah, I I think I can definitely get that.
0: I'm giving you no lives either. I feel like I give you lives and you don't need them. And yeah, so I'm not giving you any sort of lives. So if you give me some rogue answer to begin with and it's the wrong answer, then you've lost.
1: I mean, I... More confident on this because it's in the UK. It's an event I've been to a lot. If it was some <laughs> random tournament, you know, elsewhere, I would be like, was, less you know, I
0: was considering Serpentine Trophy winners, <laughs> but I decided against it.
1: Okay, right. Um, so since the year two thousand, just mm-hmm. to clarify. Okay, right. Let's commence. Um, I'm gonna go sort of chronologically, but also maybe not. So anyway, um, let's start with Matteo Berrettini last year.
0: Correct, yes. Defeated Cam Norrie in the final.
1: Um I've already so forgotten one. who won the year before that, although I suppose it would have been cancelled. Um Feliciano Lopez has definitely won it. I knew <laughs> I knew he would come up in this.
0: Correct, yes, he is a two time champion, won in twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen. You are correct, there was no tournament held in twenty twenty.
1: Uh Rafa Nadal has won it in two thousand and eight.
0: Correct. Most yes. enjoyable. Do you, know, do you know who he beat in the final?
1: I do. It was Djokovic. Very something cute. like seven, five, something. Seven, five, six, four, maybe. Anyway.
0: Seven, six, seven, five. Very close. Oh, okay. I remember that first <laughs> set.
1: Um, I'm sure Djokovic went like full love up potentially. Anyway, right. Um <laughs> listeners don't need to know my trying to remember random score lines. Um Andy Murray has obviously won it several times. As well,
0: correct, yes, he is on the list, so yeah, he's won it quite a few times. You, just for bonus points, can you name me any of his, his finalists he's beaten? Uh, he beat Songa one year, yes. Uh, I think yeah. that was on a Monday final, I it think it
1: was, yeah, because of rain, yeah. Um, he's beaten rionich maybe just, I know yes. that was Wimbledon final, but maybe it's yeah. Queen's final as well. Um Chilich,
0: yeah, he's beaten he's Lopez? beaten James Blake as well, yeah. So yeah, he's been a few he's been a few players. There was a player you may have mentioned, also might be a might be a former champion. Oh
1: yeah, well, Chilich won. Uh, he mm. won that awful one with Mel um, <laughs> and <Nalbandian.
0: laughs> Yes, Cihini. very good, Line very judge. very good. Yes, Marin Chilich is a correct answer. So I think that is is that five. So it's Berrettini, Lopez, Chilich, Murray, and Nadal.
1: I'm going to go a bit further back now. Andy Roddick, he won it many times. Um, that was when I first started getting into tennis. It was uh, He was pretty much dominating.
0: Correct. Yes, Andy Roddick, a three-time champion. He won three on the bounce, 2003, 2004, 2005. So that's six, Kim. So you need one more. Path for the
1: courts. The other player that dominated around that time, I'm sure for a time it was either him or Roddick that was winning it, was, was Leighton Hewitt.
0: Leighton Hewitt?
1: Yeah, he's also a multiple champion there, I believe.
0: Correct. Yes. yes. Leighton Hewitt <laughs> is right. You <He laughs> have achieved path for the courts. Yeah, he won it also. He won it four times, actually. Also three on the bounce uh, 2000, 2001, 2002. I was there for. One of those fine, he had he had two finals against Tim Henman, and I was there for one of them um, when he beat them. When it was all all the branding was all red, and it was the, mm, the Stella Artois, Artois. Championship. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so there are there are two players you haven't mentioned. Have you got any other, other any other guesses?
1: Yeah, I, so I've got uh, one I think is right, and I'm not sure about the other player because he did used to play it, but I don't know if he's actually ever won it. Um, I want to say Grigor Dimitrov and Novak Djokovic.
0: One of those is correct. Grigor Dimitrov is right. 2014 yeah. defeated Feliciano Lopez. The final player that you have not got and listeners, very well done if you've got this player. This player actually actually is in the main draw for this year's tournament. Won it back in 2010 in an uh... All-American final, defeated Mardy Fish, Sam Querrey. Sam Querrey, yes, of course.
1: He did win it, didn't he? Yes,
0: and he qualified today. So yeah, so Sam Querrey was your final person. So we had Hewitt, Roddick, Nadal, Murray, Querrey, Chilich, Dimitrov, Lopez, and Matteo Berrettini.
1: Oh, I think eight out of nine was pretty decent. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I'm sure a lot of our British listeners probably did very well on that as well. Um, I'm sure they're not. They won't be as easy as that uh, next time, round, will <laughs> they? But no, I do like a bit of Queens, although a bit annoying. Um, you know, I I, I would normally like to go for qualifying, but they they closed it off to the uh, the general public this year
0: for various. Yeah, we reasons. were all ready, Kim. To we had the suntan cream, we had our hats, we were all ready to go for today to go watch some of the final qualifying round, but unfortunately wasn't open to the public, which felt a bit annoying.
1: Yeah, I think. Um. Well, I feel I feel like Queens. It has a very exclusive uh, vibe, doesn't it? And uh, I don't think blocking it off for qualifying to the public is particularly helpful. But there we go. Um, Let's move on to the Passing shot Mailbag um, because we've got a question from Jill via email. Uh, So thanks, Jill, for getting in touch. Um, Jill has asked, uh, after Rafa Nadal has lifted his 14th French Open trophy how would you commemorate the Spaniards' achievements at Roland Garros once he decides to hang up his racket and and retire? Um, She said, would you possibly name the trophy after him? Um, Would you give a national holiday? Would you rename Philippe Chatrier? Um, So, I mean, mm, good suggestions. Um, Personally, I'm loving the idea of a national holiday, but would that be all over
0: the world,
1: perhaps? (laughs) No,
0: absolutely (laughs) not.
1: Well, a Spanish well, uh,
0: national holiday. Uh, oh,
1: okay. Not an international holiday. I think it should be an international <laughs> holiday.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting. Because I, I almost feel like a statue would do him justice. There's already a statue. Is oh, um, well, exactly. I well, didn't... there you
1: go. So we need something more hmm. than a statue. And
0: he's got a court, you know, he's got court named after him in Barcelona, Barcelona. Yeah. yeah Yeah. Um, Barcelona, I was looking at whether they would rename Philip Châtelet. I mean... That was only named Philippe Chatrier in two thousand and one, so it's only being it's see. only been that for twenty years. It feels kind of quite new. So I feel that be that would be quite tricky. Um, but I don't know. I've, I do think I do think it warrants something more, and maybe the maybe the trophy could be named named after him at, at some point. It just, you know, that's where I feel like his name is most synonymous. Just seeing. Rafa Nadal Rafa Nadal Rafael Nadal Rafael Nadal so i wonder if in the future the mm. trophy could have Rafa Nadal inserted into it as its its name because that's what i think what i identify him most synonymously with
1: yeah because it's the coupe de uh, musketeers i think is the uh the name of the trophy but it, it could be renamed something like the Rafael Nadal coupe de musketeer or yeah or maybe like one of the the boulevards they have on, on the site could be like Ruder and Adal or something. I'm sure there's plenty of things they could do. Um, or maybe like uh, the media centre or something could be, I don't know, they could have other sort of facilities named after them. I think Trophy would be... Um, Would be sort of the most suitable though, actually. Or just have another statue. Just have statues all over the place. Um, Have 14 statues. Yeah. And then 14 days of of international (laughs) holiday. (laughs) We wish. Yeah. No, but uh, great question, Jill. I I hope that they'll do something to commemorate him. Uh, I know they already have, but, you know, um, in time. But maybe he'll win some more. Who, Who knows? I mean, 14 is just absolutely bombastic. So uh, anyway, um, let's discuss some of the news from the last week of Tennis Joel. Um, good news for Great Britain and British tennis fans. We've been given the Billie Jean King Cup finals this year. Uh, they will be taking place in Glasgow at the Emirates Arena between the 8th and 13th of November. And because we are hosting, it means that Great Britain uh will get a wild card into the finals, uh, giving us the chance to play them as we, we were we were defeated by the Czech Republic uh, in April, meaning, you know, we weren't going to be at these finals. Bizarre. But obviously, now it, we are. Bizarre. So... <laughs>
0: bizarre. It just feels really weird. I mean, to have lost in a, like, qualifier, and, and then almost like, it almost feels like we're just sneaking in through the back door. We've just we're been buying
1: like, our place. Yeah, <laughs> we're our it.
0: way into the final. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, it's all a bit of a, you know, it's all a bit of a, I think a shambles not maybe not a shambles as much but it's certainly been I think very tricky to you know find a host um you know it was meant to be Budapest and there was you know a multi million you know dollar contract and it fell through and you know I've, you know with these events you always hope that they're you know set in stone for x number of years and you're not just sort of having to Make it on, up on the fly as each season kind of comes around, and uh, I think that's the feeling we're we're sort of in or been in the last kind of couple of years, and uh, particularly with the the Billie Jean King Cup Finals and and where it's held. So I mean, it's it's crazy the fact this is in November and it's only just been announced in in June. And although yeah, it is great for for GB to be there, and uh, you know it would be great to see you know our team up against you know the elite teams of of the world i'm really interested and excited to see how that plays out but um yeah i think from like logistics and practicality point of view it's very strange that we lost to the czech republic and we could face them again in the finals um later on in the year
1: yeah and we've got also um some group stages in glasgow for the davis cup in september so if you're in glasgow you know Got lots of tennis happening. And then, you know, also the Labour Cup in London. So, yeah, quite a few events going on in the latter part of the year for, for the UK and, and tennis fans, which which is good. Um, and we'll have to see how Team GP Team GP make the most of being given this wild card. Um, on the news of, you know, tournaments and uh locations and time frames as well, we've got the ATP who announced this year that uh, some of the Masters 1000 events, uh, Madrid, Rome and Shanghai, uh, from next year will become longer events. So they will become similar to Miami and Indian Wells and they will be extended um, in terms of the, the time frame. So I think instead of uh, eight day events, there'll be 12 day events and they'll have larger draws. Um, so that's going to happen from next year for those three events. And then from 2025, the uh, Cincinnati and the Canadian uh, open which alternates between Montreal and Toronto uh, that will also um, also increase to become longer larger events. um what do you make of what do you make of this decision? do you think it's a a good one make more of the more of a more of an event of of these masters make them a bit more significant uh, have more players there able yeah. to, to play and participate
0: do you know I, I understand I understand it in some parts of the year certainly I felt with with Madrid and Rome. I think that's a smart move um, because it did feel very compacted. Um, you know, whenever they they are played, you know, back to back over the last, you know, however many seasons it's been. Um, I thought it was interesting that that Gaudenzi, the um, you know the head of the ATP, he he said he ultimately wants to create 180 days of what he called premium product tennis, and I feel like he he obviously thinks that the Masters events, that is a premium product. And at the moment, they're not being utilized or stretched as much as potentially they could be. And I think this is where this is, you know, this is coming about in terms of, you know, stretching them out. But, you know, that is going to obviously have implications elsewhere. And I get that, you know, you want to show the best of you know, show the best of tennis, show the best of men's tennis. And yeah, this will create benefits for, you know, players in the sense of there'll be bigger draws, there'll be more opportunities to get ranking points. The prize money at these Masters events are obviously higher as well. So there are benefits from that perspective. But at the same time, I do think it's a balancing act in terms of what happens to other lower level tournaments like you know 500s and 250s, which, you know, traditionally are played you know the week after you know masters events end and you know it feels like they might be squeezed out if you stretch you know these masters 1000 events out and you know what does that say about opening up tennis to you know lots of different places around the world when you're just going to focus on the prestige and the history of events that have just been kind of being been around for what feels like forever so i do think there needs to be some flexibility and. You know, having those still have those spots for those 250s, because it sounds like there's still a bit of concern about, yes, this all sounds great in principle. But when it comes to implementation, you know, those 250 events, they still have a big role to play. And I think for, you know, those lower ranked players who, you know, they're probably going to be thinking, yeah, there's that's great being in a a Masters draw. But ultimately, there's probably much more chance of me actually winning a title in those smaller 250 events so I still want those to be present so I, I have my shot at you know creating moments that can def- define my career versus you know going out in round two or round three at the you know Shanghai Masters or whatever.
1: Yeah it depends if by warrant of increasing the you know the size of these Masters events that if that's going to squeeze and reduce the number of 250s like we wouldn't want it to actually reduce opportunities for for lower-ranked players. I mean, I guess it depends what they would rather rather play. I don't know if they've surveyed players on this or whether this will be like doing it for a trial year to see how it works in reality. But yeah, I certainly think um, it makes sense, um, I have to say. And I think also, you know, he said about adding a Masters on grass long-term. I think that that certainly
0: is, is justified. We can, we've long been time speaking coming. about this forever. I feel like I we've know. been speaking about this forever.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think out of all the things that tennis has done of late i i sort of agree with this more than some of the other decisions so um we'll have to see how it goes
0: do you think though seven seven masters events all of them are two weeks long do you think that's do you think that's a bit much or do you think it, do you think the tour schedule warrants it
1: i think they just want i guess they want more tournaments where all the top players are going to be there because even with some of the we you know some of the masters that we see now like some top players do withdraw but I guess if if they're going to be over a longer period of time they for the early rounds they get that rest day but then if the draw is bigger they don't they have to play one extra match than normal so is it really going to be that much of a difference is it really going to be that much more premium than we have already I don't know Um I guess that Monte Carlo is not going to become a big one. They just wouldn't have the capacity. It's a very small site. So I guess that has to remain as a small one. I hope they don't get rid of that because I'd, I'd be gutted if they got rid of the Monte Carlo masters. So as long as they don't fiddle around with that one, I'm I'm down with the rest of the plan. <laughs> um, but perhaps Queens will become a masters. Uh, let's, you know, where, where would they have this, this masters on, on grass? Perhaps Queens will be put in their name board. Although again, that is a very, it is quite a small site. So perhaps they they wouldn't fit the bill. Um let's look ahead at Queens though because we've got that coming up uh starting tomorrow for the main draw action. Casper Rood uh is the top seed so he'll be starting out on the clay after his French Open final. Um obviously Andy Murray hopefully will be in the draw and if he if he is playing he would open up against Sonago. Dan Evans has got a tough tough first round with Matteo Berrettini. And also, uh yeah, Norrie has got former champion Dimitrov first round. So not easy for British players. Brody's got Chilich, who obviously was playing very well at the uh, French as well. Jack Draper's up against Taylor Fritz. Um Ryan Penniston's got Ruth.
0: Well, given
1: yeah, given what we saw Draper do last year, you know, beating Sinner and, and uh going going a few rounds deep. Certainly, I think. Um, I think a lot. Of, I mean, all. I think all of these matches are technically winnable for the British players, and let's hope we do get some wins out of them.
0: Yeah, I'm also looking forward to Francis Tiafoe versus Stan Wawrinka in the first round. I think that could be quite a quite a fun match. But um, yeah, it's an interesting draw. I think Berrettini, given what he's done in in Stuttgart, will be and and also obviously as defending champion as well. I think will be one of the favourites for it. It'll be interesting to see how Rude adapts, I think, from clay to grass. Um, you know, Ryan Penniston, uh, you know, I watched in, in Surbiton, made the semi-finals, um, sorry, made the quarterfinals, has had, you know, pretty good grass court, um, has got pretty, had pretty good grass court, uh, has had pretty good Grass court results over the last few weeks, so um, yeah, I think that would be a nice little tester for uh, for Casper Ruud, um, Marin Cilic. Yeah, I, I think he could be a, an interesting one to watch given his previous form. Um, you know, as a as a previous winner at Queens. I mean, Kim, just on previous winners, there is no Feliciano Lopez in the draw. Um, he lost in qualifying today uh, against Rusavori in a final set tiebreak. I mean, I was a bit surprised that as a former champion he did not get a wild card into this event i felt that was a bit unfair on him not to get that
1: i think that was such a grave injustice that he he was not automatically given a wild card into the main draw um yeah i you know it's a shame obviously he wasn't able to qualify um earlier this week i think he was out in stuttgart or the netherlands and he lost to bonsai bonzi um Straight set, so I guess I guess there's not really much form to go on for him at the moment to justify a main draw wildcard. But given the fact that he's you know a two-time former champion and you, you know loves the the grass of Queens normally, um, it is a shame. I wonder if maybe he'll come through as a, a potential lucky loser. I don't know, um, but maybe he at could replace Andy he Murray. could replace Andy Murray. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. yeah.
0: Perhaps. I do enjoy seeing Andy Murray having a special exemption next to him on the draw seat as opposed to WC, uh, which <laughs> I feel like we've got used to over the last few months. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that's nice to see. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice draw. Lots of familiar names and, and big players as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how all the Brits get on. We also have Halle, the ACP 500 event in Germany. Hugo Umbert is the defending champion who is in the draw. We also have the top seed Daniel Medvedev, all the familiar faces Stefanos Tsitsipas, Rublevs there, Hubert Hurkacz. Yeah, it's uh again a very st- a, it's a relatively stacked draw I'd say, quite a few top 10 players there. I feel like there's quite a few players there who we won't be unfortunately seeing um, at Wimbledon, but um yeah, where have you where have you got your eyes on 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 this in the draw?
1: Oh uh I think Kyrgios has got a decent draw actually. Um he, he would have ki past second round, but I think Kyrgios could uh, could beat him there. And uh I mean Oscar Otter had a great week you know, just just gone making the semifinals in, in Stuttgart. So, and you know, obviously home soil in Germany, and we saw what he did against Andy Murray at Wimbledon last year. So, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had someone like Basilashvili come through and mm. and do well. I mean, I know he didn't this week, but he's sort of one of those players that can put a, a good week together.
0: You wouldn't want to be a tennis ball in a match between Basilashvili and Rublev. I feel no, like no, <laughs> 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 um,
1: yeah. So, or maybe yeah. Gosh, it could go anywhere, really. I, I doubt umber's going to defend his title. You know, he hasn't been in great form. He's not even seeded at this event, so I think that'd be going some to defend it. But um, perhaps Felix will. Uh, you know, he narrowly lost, didn't he, um, to uh, Tim van Rijthoven? So perhaps he'll uh, he'll come through and get. An- Get a second title, Joel. I I was debating before we started recording. I was like, has Felix won a title? I'm sure he did. <laughs> but I just yes. feel like he hasn't, you know, won his second one. Like and I just wouldn't want him to you Yeah, know, we thought the floodgate uh,
0: we thought the floodgates were gonna yeah. open, didn't we? But it's not really happened just yet. But uh he still he still I think made he's almost arguably, I think, made more strides at Grand Slabs um than on the tour events, which I for me almost is a positive sign in the sense I feel like that makes that's where you know he's got star quality because he can perform on that sort of ultimate stage at, at the Grand Slams. I mean, we've also, Kim, got the Berlin event, the WTA 500 um, out in Germany. I mean, this draw, I think the build-up to it is, was more about who's not playing than, than who is playing because we had a lot of big-name withdrawals. We had Svantec withdraw, Osaka withdraw, Badosa withdraw, Kontovayt and Pegula as well. So, um, you yeah, know, it was it's a bit like unfortunate. Half the I top think. 10
1: with Oh, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I mean, imagine if they were in uh, for this uh, as a 500 event. It would have been completely um, stacked. But unfortunately, they're not in. But we do have Anjabor as the top seed. I mean, she, interestingly, Kim, she's got Karolina Mukova in the Ooh. first round. That feels very, very tough. I know, I think the last we saw of Mukova was quite sad. We saw her, I think, what was it, retire, I think, to Anna Samova um at the French Open. So it's glad i um, to see her be ready for the, the grass court season. But yeah, that's a tough opener I think for Jabor.
1: Yeah, and Sam Sonova is the defending champion. I, I remember last year when she sort of won mm. this kind of from nowhere and, you know, she's become a bit more of a, a regular feature on the tour now. We know what we know what she's she's all about. But um yeah, she'll be hoping to potentially defend her title. Yeah, looking at the draw, there's lots of players here that will not be at Wimbledon, you know, Alexadjova, Gudimetva. Kudemetova's got Sabalenka first round, so that's that could go either way from, from the word go. But um yeah, Coco Goff also in action here. So transitioning onto the grass after the French Open final. Be interesting to see what, what she can do um you know first first time on grass this this season. Um and Carolina Pliskova as well, you know, Wimbledon finalist from last year. Fully expect her to, uh, well, I mean, she's got Kanepi first round. I mean, that could, well, that can go anyway. Well, really, I, if it? that was at a Grand
0: Slam, I would have backed Kanepi. But Kineppy, the fact yeah. on, on the tour, I'm back in Pliskova in that one.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't want to be making any bets on on this uh, <laughs> this event, I have to say. Um, but we've also got the WTA 250 in Birmingham as well. Um, so for for British fans uh, who are may, maybe going to Birmingham, uh, you've got top seed Yelena Ostpenko in second seed. Simona Halep. So, yeah, and obviously the likes of Alison Risk, Camilla Georgie, Sorana Stae Kvitova, uh Sheng Xue, Hadaya. admire, had 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 admire Admir. Kvitova. Yeah. First round. Oh, that a tough is year. not uh
0: yeah, that's not an easy one is it for Kvitova. Um yeah, nice also to yeah, to have Simona Halep there. Wimbledon champion mm. uh in Birmingham. Great to see. Um but yeah, I think she's in the harder half of the draw. She's got Alison Risk also in this half. Camilla Georgie, had Kvitova. I feel like, yeah, this half is a little bit tougher than the, the top half, which has quite a few qualifiers. Um, Ostapenko, <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Um, she has you know performed well on grass in the past, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, I uh, think it's again quite open, but certainly I'm looking at that bottom half, potentially they're going to be battle ready, I think, for the final, if they're coming through that.
1: Yeah, uh, Harriet Dart's got a wild card. She's got Camilla mm. Osorio first round. So winner of that, you know, may play Hallett, which would be fun. So let's hope that Dart uh, gets a win under her belt, and hopefully Caroline Garcia will get a uh, you know win or two. <laughs>
0: well, you, you, just... you said to me last week she won one match, and you said to, on the, on the singles tour, and you said to me Caroline Garcia is having a rate is having a renaissance <laughs> on the WK tour, and I was like. Kim I'll give you it one one win for Garcia yeah I'll give you it that's I think
1: she won two matches actually but I just thought you know she's won the French Open now she's gonna (laughs) transfer that success over to the singles court and you know the floodgates will open but perhaps not perhaps they'll they'll creak open (laughs) rather than you know fly open but uh yeah (laughs) We'll, we'll we'll see about that one uh but yeah we'll be back next week to round up all of these events um As usual, uh, here on on Tennis Weekly, Joel.
0: Mm, Yes, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest Tennis Weekly tour catch up. Remember to subscribe to us on whatever device you listen to us on to stay up to date on the grass court season ahead. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
1: And you can follow us on social media. Uh, We are available on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do share with us all your queries, comments, feedback, questions you've got for us throughout the week. And if you prefer, you can email us instead. Uh, We're on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website as well, www.tennisweekly.co.uk.
0: And we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for another tour catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.